This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and James Forsyth. The hope in number 10 this week was that Boris Johnson would apologise to the House and it would be the beginning of the end for the Prime Minister. That's what he told MPs when he privately addressed them. Yet, James, the vote that Labour called for referring Boris Johnson for an inquiry by a Commons Committee has exposed the level of discomfort in the party. Yeah, I think it was a clever move by Labour because it forced Tory MPs to think about what they themselves wanted to do. I think Tory MPs are in this odd dynamic at the moment where they're not prepared to move against Boris Johnson at the moment, but they're also not prepared to go out of their way to support him. And what Labour's motion did was it put them all on the spot. And so you ended up in this odd situation where the government initially tried to put down a delaying amendment, then it found that it didn't have enough support for that, so it had to pull it. And so we've got another inquiry. And I think one of the consequences of that is that you know, this probably this inquiry, this Privileges Committee inquiry into whether Boris Johnson deliberately misled the House of Commons or not, probably won't report until the autumn. So this story, which is exhausting Tory MPs, which has already gone on for five months, is now going to run until September, October time, it seems. And I think this is, this is, this is just knackering Tory MPs. But at the moment, the Tory party seems to me to be in a kind of stasis where it can't work out uh, what it wants to do. Fraser, Tobias Elwood today has given an interview to Radio 4 where he said, I fear it's now when, not if, a vote of confidence takes place. Is that particularly significant? I mean, Tobias Elwood does often have quite dramatic interventions. Well, what he says is technically correct, and that there's only two ways for Boris Johnson to go. One of them is to be forced out by his party, and the other is to resign. Now, those around Boris Johnson say that he will never, ever resign, no matter about how bad things get. And that's, by and large, his position on life. His, his great strength is the ability to tough everything out, to keep on going when the whole, whole world says that he's got no chance at all. So if you believe, as many around him do, that there are no circumstances in which he'll quit, by default, the only other way he would go is to have a vote held against him. But I don't think that vote is coming anytime soon. There was a time back in January where we had to, I think, change the cover of the magazine at the last minute like three times because it was it seemed so likely that the Tories were about to move against him to get to get those fifty four MPs to put in a letter of no confidence in him. And that feeling has gone now because there are now closer to nine rather than 30 Tory MPs on the record saying they want him gone. Steve Baker jumped out on Thursday because he was the only extra voice adding to the relatively small list of um, Tory MPs who want Boris Johnson gone. So until that figure changes, then I don't think things are as close as Tobias Elwood implied He's quite an influential figure on um, his particular wing of the Conservative Party, but there are very, very few of them right now, and they don't have a plan. Now, Boris Johnson is in India, and he is having to talk about Partygate, much to his visible annoyance. But James, he's also talking about defence and trade. So what are the key points so far? So I think there are two things. One is he is talking about getting a, a free trade deal 
with India agreed by Diwali, which will be in October, and Narendra Modi talked about by the end of this year. And, and I think that would be, if that actually happens, that would be significant because India has some very high tariffs on various British goods. Think of things like Scotch whiskey, for example. And so that there would clearly be some benefits to a trade deal with India. I, I think two other things jumped out at me from what he said as well. One is this dilemma about why has India been abstained in the UN General Assembly on the vote on the Russian invasion of Ukraine? Why is it carrying on buying Russian oil and the like? Partly it's because of this long historic relationship between India and Russia dating back to India's non-aligned status during the Cold War. But it's also because India is dependent on Russian military kit. And I mean, the delicate balance for the West is how do you wean India off that dependence when there is a lot of concern in Washington that if you were to sell India advanced weaponry, that weaponry could essentially be sent to Moscow and end up being reverse engineered. So Boris Johnson talked about making it easier to to, to export UK arms to India, but I think this is going to be a, a delicate diplomatic balancing act there. And then I thought on Ukraine, I thought it was interesting that he talked about how the UK will send tanks to Poland to kind of so that the Poland can send its Soviet era tanks that are familiar to the to the Ukrainian military to Ukraine. And that is again a kind of further intensification of the UK's commitment to Ukraine in this conflict. And and just one and one other thing if I if you if I may, Katie. I thought it was also interesting how he talked about a kind of security guarantee to Ukraine that would be about training and equipment rather than a kind of guarantee to come to its defence. And I think that what that reflects is a recognition in Whitehall that the best guarantor of Ukraine's security, short of NATO membership, which is not going to happen, is giving Ukraine a Western-trained and equipped military that would be capable of standing up to a Russian invasion as, as it currently is. Now, Fraser, the Prime Minister and Modi had a long chat on Ukraine, um, but the sense on both sides that, that Boris Johnson did not put particular pressure on him to change India's stance when it comes to Russia. Is that a misfire by the Prime Minister or is that just diplomacy? I think he's doing what he can. In the, I mean, he's basically there to make friends of Modi rather than to lecture him. So, of course, given that India is one of the handful of countries in the world that is not um, condemning the, um, Russia's invasion along there with South Africa, Venezuela, etc., the Prime Minister would have to be seen to be saying something like that. And I think he said something like that he and Modi both um, share a concern about the behaviour of the rise of authoritarianism, etc., but there's there's a limit to he he could have gone further he could have made more of just how much how India has increased its purchase of Russian goods in other words it's actively supporting not just being neutral in in, in the Russian campaign but he, he wants a trade deal he's there to make friends they've rolled out the red carpet for him so in these things you, you do enough to brief the press that you've done your duty and slapped Modi's wrist but on such I think it's unrealistic to think on such visits you really turn up to admonish your hosts rather than to um, suck up to him. I mean, my criticism is that, you know, we will not be doing that decent trade deal with India. It's, it, you know, when, I, when I look back to all the missed opportunities we have for Brexit, so many. I mean, look at the Australian deal. It's pathetic. It's phased in over like 15 years. It amounts to not a row of beans. With India, we could really do a, a fantastic kind of um, tariff-free. We, we, could, we could grant far better visa status for Indian people, taking lots more Indian students. But Boris is squeamish about immigration, as we found out. So I think that might be a deal-breaker. So I think when I think of the India trip, I think of a missed opportunity for Brexit. 
And it's pretty difficult for those who argued that Brexit would usher in a new era of free trade deals to point to anything in India or indeed anywhere else to suggest that there has, that has been a significant success. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.